Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we've got Jason Mitchell back on the show. We're talking early ice on Devil's Lake. Now, while we're having this conversation, nobody's actually fishing on Devil's Lake right now. The 2023-2024 ice season hasn't exactly kicked off on Devil's Lake, but it is right around the corner. We are just days away, uh, maybe a week or so before things really get fired up, especially with walking, uh, you know, walkout access. Uh, so a lot of this conversation, we're definitely speculating a little bit, but there's a lot of anticipation right now. And we hear from Jason that Devil's Lake is is fishing really well lately. Uh, this last summer was really good. And, uh, you know, ending last winter with some really great perch bites definitely has us optimistic for this season. So it's really a fun conversation with Jason once again. Uh, you know, this year talking early ice, uh, we're going to talk a lot of perch. We're definitely going to give the walleyes a little bit of love in this. Uh, but again, just talking about just some of the bites that Jason's going to be looking for right away, where he's going to be looking for fish and, and what he's going to be doing to try to find them and catch them. And just all the great, you know, just just the whole recipe for success, hopefully, uh, for this season. But definitely uh, look forward to the ice season kicking off here shortly and coming back to this conversation midwinter we're going to have to you know we're definitely going to have to have a devil's lake uh you know midwinter update uh at some point to find out just how much of this really comes to fruition but i tell you what just some great recommendations great perspective a good starting block uh right here this conversation for setting our early expectations for what we might find on devil's lake here early ice with perch and walleye so let's get to it we got jason mitchell Devil's Lake, Early Ice. Let's do it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner featuring Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology. Wear this Cold Snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice, or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system. We're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D rings for all your accessories again. Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFlow technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell as your highest performance rain gear. Wear the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event soft shell jackets and vests, all of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. This episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. This is the season for hunting and fishing opportunities in the state of North Dakota. If you hunt big game here, remember to do your part in protecting the herd. And that means knowing and following the regulations regarding chronic wasting disease here in the state of North Dakota, specifically the carcass disposal requirements. Any 
game carcass waste that is transported outside the hunting unit where the animal is harvested must be disposed of via a landfill or waste management provider. If you're hunting big game in North Dakota, it is your personal responsibility to educate yourself on these regulations and this information. Luckily for you, it's very simple. Just head down to the description of this podcast and click on the link that is gf.nd.gov cwd. That's where you're going to get the information on the regulations and all information regarding chronic wasting disease in the state of North Dakota. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. Are you good to go? Yeah. Yeah, I should have good reception for a while, hopefully. here. just driving here. So. Right on. So, you know, starting it off here, Jason, uh, early ice 2023, um, you know, we're not exactly fishing on Devil's Lake yet as of uh, as of today or this exact conversation, but it is right around the corner. So, you know, talking about this conversation, 2023 ice fishing, Devil's Lake, or at least early ice, um, you know, what are you thinking, man? What are the vibes out there? What are some of the things that you've got on your mind as far as topics for this? Well, I think everybody's anticipating a great winter. Obviously, it can depend on ice and snow access, you know, but the fish are in the lake. And, you know, you look at this past year, even the past couple of years, you know, we've had some great perch fishing. You know, our perch have definitely come back, you know, relatively speaking. You know, over the last 20 years, I would say last winter was one of the better perch winters that we've seen. And, you know, I think what really opened up my eyes is that some of the big fish that were coming out of, you know, the main lake, East Bay, East Devil's Lake, where if somebody caught a, uh, say, a pound and three-quarter, two-pound perch uh, maybe seven, eight years ago, you could almost guarantee that it came out of one of the feeder lakes north of Highway 2. You know, Irving, Atlas, you know, uh, low numbers of perch, but there were some big fish up in those places. And uh, we didn't see some of those really big top-end fish out of, out of the main devil's lake proper per se you know out of the main lake or the east bay or east devil's lake you know it's been a few years since we've seen very many big fish out of those areas and uh last winter in particular those areas are producing you know big fish and you know we've had pastures where you know you catch numbers of fish different parts of the lake but there's a lot of small fish in here to sort through them where you know that that average size has, has crept up and so last winter was a good winter and um you know, we're, we're all assuming that this one is going to be a great winter. And obviously, we've got plenty of walleyes in the lake as well. So. You know, as far as picking areas to start, you know, do you, do you think about that much? Like last year, you know, the areas that were good, is that kind of where you might predict the areas to be good starting off this year? Or is there something that you look at, you know, in the open water season? We've talked about that before where you don't always catch too many in the open water season. But when you do, that's usually a good forecast. But like talking about those areas, you know, main lake proper and all that, like, like how do you uh, forecast what areas you think uh, are going to be good? 
you know, just throw a dart at the wall. I mean, obviously, you know, we'll start off with areas and memories from last winter, you know, especially early ice. You know, but what always amazes me is that, you know, like there'll be years where winters where, say, East Bay, for whatever reason, is just good. You know, you look at Black Tiger, you look at Scats, it's Hay Bale, you know, all these different places. And, you know, just fish good. And for whatever reason, the main lake is quiet or we just aren't getting on them in six mile, you know. And then you think, golly, what's going on? And then a year later, all of a sudden, the Minnewaukee Flats fire up or, you know, you'll just see things that uh, kind of open your eyes. Like, wow, those fish were there the whole time. But for whatever reason, people missed them. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of networking that happens in the wintertime, too, where, you know, somebody catches some fish and then somebody tells somebody and pretty soon, you know, 90% of the anglers are in one area of the lake, you know, and and uh, there's other things happening, but, you know, people miss them. And so there's kind of a few wrinkles and a few surprises, you know, and so that kind of makes it fun too. But, uh, you know, and I think too, just to back up a little bit, we're in a really good trend if you love to perch fish in the sense that, you know, this lake has tripled the size since 1993. You know, that's when the lake first started to really come up. So that's been quite a while now. And every year the lake was coming up two feet, three feet, four feet. I mean, it was just increasing. And all that terrestrial vegetation was getting flooded. You know, big areas in Minnewauk and Flats, Pelican. I mean, there's just water all over, all this new water. And when we had that bump in water, the pike really responded to that. And the pike population went through the roof. I mean, the pike densities were incredible. You know, 15, 20 years ago on Devil's Lake, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. I mean, they were just, they were everywhere, it seemed like. And if you went in any bay, you know, less than 12 feet of water on any type of shallow structure, you were catching all kinds of pike. And, and pike, too, but the, the, the pike density was high back then. And I think what can't be overstated is just the impact that that high predator population has on perch numbers in particular, you know, those pike just seem really hard on the perch. And so when those pike numbers are really high, our perch numbers were down. Well, guess what? Now we've got three, four years now, five years where the lake hasn't increased in size. It hasn't, you know, uh, we haven't seen that elevation bump like we were for so many years. You know, the lake has actually stayed the same level or it's even dropped. And so you see it. I mean, we don't have near the pike that we used to. And, uh, even like in some of the feeder lakes north of Highway 2, you know, when you catch pike, now the body condition isn't what it was. You know, and those, and those shallow feeder lakes aren't increasing. And in, in, uh, the, the fish that are in there, it's like they just don't have enough to eat. You know, they just, they, don't, they just don't look as healthy. They're very thin fish. And what's interesting is the walleyes in those areas still look good. They're actually out competing the pike for, you know, for forage in that dirty water up there. But, uh, you know... The pike numbers are definitely down. And uh, with that, uh, you know, the perch numbers have been way up, you know. And so I think that's probably the thing to, to see is, you know, whenever you have that trend, it's going to be good if you love to fish or perch. You know, and are there still pike in Devil's Lake? Absolutely. But there was a time where that density of fish that was, say, three to seven pounds, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I don't know if you could compare anything to it. I mean, as far as just going out and catching three to seven pound pike, I don't know if there's anywhere better in the country when that lake was going up. But uh, that is kind of switched now. You know, as far as the ice fishing experience, like, um, you know, this time of year, 
and again, I, I kind of want to stay specific to 2023 because, you know, we're, we're always going to be talking early, you know, early ice on Devil's Lake. Every year it's going to be a conversation and it's always a little bit different. You know, what what are some other things that you feel like uh, maybe it's, you know, switching over something gear related? Maybe it's some new technology or just something that you've learned or just something that you're thinking about. Like, what are some other things that are going to make you know, the, this 2023 ice season a little different in your mind on Devil's Lake? Well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you don't know until you get out there. You know, you really don't. I mean, you know, in fact, it's almost dangerous to think too much. You know, I, I, one thing I'll say, though, is like last year, late ice, uh, you know, over in the Minnewauk and Flats and up in Pelican, you know, there was times where I was up on shallow structure looking for walleyes, you know, in spots where I've caught a lot of walleyes in the past. You know, I'm talking less than 10 feet of water and got on some big schools of really big perch. Okay. And so that kind of got my wheels turning. Huh. Were these fish up here all winter? And for some reason we missed them and they're late ice or moving up on a shallow structure. I don't know. But, you know, usually, you know, on Devil's Lake, you know, we're catching perch, you know, around a basin or some type of a bowl, you know, deeper water. Now that can vary. I mean, in some parts of the lake, that might be 20 feet of water. In other areas, it's 40 feet of water. But when you do find them shallow off of that soft bottom basin, up shallow on structure, usually they're a lot easier to catch. They're a lot more aggressive and uh, they have a tendency to, you know, run an average size that's bigger. But, uh, you know, that kind of got my wheels turning late ice last year. And so, you know, that's definitely something I'm going to check right away. But, um, you know, every year there's a couple of a couple of surprises, you know, like a spot you forget about, a spot like, ah, oh, I haven't caught fish there in a long time. And and it's like, you know, I just give it five, six, seven years and it fires back up, you know. And so uh, I anticipate some of that, too. And where that'll be, <laughs> I don't know. You know, you just got to keep an open mind, keep your ears open and uh, try a lot of things that don't work sometimes, you know. Uh, and that's the thing on Devil's Lake, you know, I mean, you go from a zero to a hero. I mean, you're going to have tough days. It's a big lake. There's a lot of places where the fish aren't. And sometimes even when you're, when you're where the fish are, sometimes you can't get them to bite because, uh, you know, these fish can be so well fed that uh, sometimes they can be temperamental. You'll get these little windows where they open up. And if you don't play your cards right, you can really fall on your face, you know. But the good days are as good as it gets, you know. And, uh Goodness, when you get on a school of perch that's fired up and they're racing up as you're dropping down and just you're just windmilling them. I mean, that's one of the greatest things in ice fishing, as far as I'm concerned. I just I, I don't think I can ever ever get tired of doing that. I wake up every morning in the wintertime just yearning for that, you know, that one hole, you know. And so, you know, you're not out of it until you're until the day is done. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we fished and fished and fished, drilled holes and moved and tried different things and. You know, everybody's pretty down and out and they're tired. You're, you know, all these things are working against you in your head. And then you get on that one hole and everything prior is forgotten. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that's a good that's point. The beauty, that's the beauty of it. You know, you're, you're always in the fight, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I just, I like, I like your perspective. I like hearing you say those things because you have so much experience out there on Devil's Lake, you know, and years of experience. And it's like. Do you ever stop and think about that? Like, like, what are some things from, say, years past? Like, maybe it's 10 years ago in your career, 15 years ago in your career. What are some things, you know, from back then that were just, um, you know, part of your strategy, part of the game, part of the communication, the language of, like, perch fishing through the ice on Devil's Lake that now are gone? Or, 
Is reinventing the wheel out there just not happening? Well, I think probably the biggest thing is just our own expectations. I, I can remember a time where, you know, we'd be guiding and, you know, you get somebody in for four days and if you could get on a decent perch bite, you know, uh, one day out of four days, you know, that was, you know, that was about what you could expect because the other times, you know, you'd be just beating your head against the wall. You know, there were some, it was some tough bites, some tough fishing where, and I think what it was just lower densities of fish. There's not as much competition. They've got all the food, more food that they can eat. And so that can kind of create a, a tough fishing situation. It's a great uh, situation for the fish, but it can be tough for anglers. And, um, you know, when things stabilize and those fish can kind of catch up with that environment and catch up with that forage base, then you take some of those predators out of the equation that flips upside down, you know? And uh, so I think right now our perch fishing is better than, you know, a lot of the years when I was guiding. And with that being said, I can remember many years where there were many days, many trips that were salvaged with tip ups and pike, you know, where you just couldn't get the perch to go and you still had four or five hours left. You, scramble somewhere and go fish for pike or you fish for walleyes you know and so uh, you know we had to do a lot more multi-species fishing back then you know we had to just kind of be opportunists just go with the flow of whatever was happening at the time whereas now you know you could focus on perch every day and uh there'd be a lot of days where you sure wouldn't be disappointed you know i mean it's it's uh you know some of the best perch fishing in the midwest by far you know before we start moving on into other categories of this conversation Maybe talk a little bit about the status of the walleyes as you see it, you know, from this last summer, you know, the current conditions and how you feel like, um, you know, uh, the, the walleye situation is going to be along these same lines. Well, the walleye population is, is impressive. I mean, you look at just the weights that, that uh, were caught this fall in the NWT championship, it blew me away. I mean, the number of 30-pound weights, I did not see that coming. I mean, a 30-pound weight, five fish, that's a big weight on Devil's Lake. And, uh, you know, there have been many tournaments where if you had 20 to 25 pounds a day, you could be feeling pretty good about it. And, uh, goodness, I mean, the, the number of big fish and the number of really, you know, top-end weights was, was eye-opening. And, and some of that was just, you know, things getting opened up with uh, forward-facing sonar. No doubt that's been a big part of it on a lot of lakes, on a lot of fisheries. You know, people are learning you know, more about these big fish and how to catch them, you know. But, uh, you know, the population of walleyes is tremendous in Devil's Lake. It's a great, I mean, just going to Devil's Lake to fish for walleyes would not be a, a foolish move whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best walleye fisheries in the Midwest as well, you know. And, you know, and a lot of people will kind of play the card where they'll fish for walleyes in the morning, they'll fish for perch during the day, then they'll set up for walleyes in the evening, you know, and that's a, you know, great way to do it you know especially you get late ice where the days get longer you know and um there's times where you you you've you get on a good walleye bite and a good perch bite you know then there's other days where one or the other kind of saves the day you know and so it's nice to have that option you know or that variety that fallback you know and i love targeting walleyes um i think if especially if you're just going out there by yourself and you're just maybe a little bit intimidated maybe your shoulders you know you know, needs surgery the next spring and you're not willing to maybe can't drill a hundred holes or more in a day looking for fish, you know, you could drill a handful of holes, especially, you know, if you had a map chip or a GPS and a good lake map and, you know, pick apart some specific structure and, 
you know, and, and uh, slow down a little bit and, and do really well catching walleyes. And so I, you know, I like walleye fishing. I think in some ways walleye perch can be pretty random in the sense that, you know, <laughs> you don't know why they're where they're at. I mean, there's 33, 34 feet of water for miles. And why are they all bunched up in this one spot? So that's where they are that day, you know. The next day they're gone and they're 100 yards somewhere else, you know. And, and uh, you know, they don't they don't hug and follow the structure as much. And so in some ways, walleyes, I, I feel like, are a little bit more predictable that way. And so, you know, they really kind of, you know, complement each other. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a joy fishing for walleyes. I mean, that's a tremendous, tremendous fishery. I mean, the fish are fairly aggressive as a rule of thumb. Uh, you can jig aggressively and catch them. You've got the opportunity to catch some really nice fish. And from one end of the lake to the other, there are, there is some great walleye fishing. What are some questions, you know, that you've been feeling? I, I, I want to ask this early enough so we can, you know, cover it or if something comes to mind later on, you know, before we're done. But, you know, you're on social media, you know, you're putting out content all the time. People are interacting with you. What are some of the devil's lake questions, you know, that you get year in and year out? Or maybe something you've been that has been interesting to you, a conversation you've had recently that we could touch on here? Well, I think probably the biggest thing that I've answered over the years or the biggest question uh, probably has to do with the presentation and how these fish act, okay? Uh, people think, oh, it's, you know, world famous for perch. Uh, you know, it's got to be great perch fishing, so that means it's easy. And all oh, big perch, so that means I better use a big lure, you know. And sometimes that really throw a person off. And what I mean by that is, you know, say you come from a lake where there's a lot of perch, like way higher perch densities than what you'd ever see on Devil's Lake, but they're stunted. They're five, six, seven, eight inches long, and they attack anything that you put near them. And so you could put the biggest spoon down. You could put It doesn't matter what you put down. They're going to attack it and keep attacking until you catch one, you know. And these perch don't act like that. They don't act like the stunted ones that race up 10 feet off the bottom and attack until they until you catch them. Uh, they're very well fed. They, uh, the forage base, you know, freshwater shrimp are kind of the backbone of the forage base. Uh, there's endless amounts for, of invertebrates for these perch to eat. And so they're a little bit more temperamental. A lot of times it's more of a finesse bite where it's small tungsten jigs, even in deep water, uh, hanger rigs, dropper rigs, small spoons, uh, almost always using some type of live bait. You know, sometimes you use a full minnow on a dead stick, but uh, minnow head, waxworms, spikes, or maggots on really small finesse tackle, finesse rod tips. And a lot of times when those fish come in, it's almost like you're holding the rod still and you're just looking at it. Even imagine the bite set the hook, you know. And so these fish, you know, yeah, they can get big and yeah, you know, it's world famous perch fishing, but don't think that it's going to be easy like, like, you know, some lake full of stunted fish that you can, you know, refer to. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a different type of bite, you know, and it takes a certain touch. I mean, once you figure it out and you understand it, you know, it's the catching becomes a lot easier. But uh, getting people to understand that, that, hey, yeah, you have a chance of catching a legitimate two-pound perch, which is a huge, huge perch. A pound-and-a-half perch is a huge perch. Like, if you if you haven't seen a pound-and-a-half perch and you're catching, say, 12-inch fish, and think, boy, those are beautiful, beautiful jumbo perch, a pound-and-a-half perch looks like a monster compared to those. 
a two pound fish is an absolute slob of a fish. You know, you put that next to a pound and a half perch, you're like, oh my goodness. I can't tell you how many pound and a half perch I've seen in my life where people swore up and down that it was a two pound fish because it looks like a monster laying, laying in the bucket, you know. But those are big, big fish, you know. But don't think just because they're big that they're going to attack a, you know, a really big, aggressive presentation. They just, uh, they get big swimming around next to the bottom, just sucking up a uh, invertebrate that, you know, can't swim away evasively. You know, you think about how easy a freshwater shrimp would be to catch, right? I mean, you know, it's not like they dart away. They swim in a straight line. They, they don't speed up. They don't slow down. I mean, they just, it's the easiest thing in the world for a fish to eat. And there's endless amounts of it, you know. And so these fish get tuned in and used to that type of a forage base. I think two and fish are really well fed to that affects them too, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, and granted, I mean, some days are a little different. I mean, every once in a while you'll get situations where you get them stacked up and there's three, four, five feet of fish off the bottom. That's a lot easier, you know, when you get them stacking on top of one another and get them to rise up off the bottom. You know, you'll get them to charge you a little bit and uh, you'll, you know, at least for Devil's Lake, you'll see a little bit more aggressiveness at times, but a lot of days you can't get the fish to raise more than a foot from when they come in. And a lot of times it's, it's holding it fairly still and just watching for any type of a bite. The Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations we talk about the fishing all the time on this show but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer which is way more than we ever talk about on this show you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that we're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community there's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of devil's lake also our favorite the fishing tab It's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner featuring Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology. Wear this Cold Snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice. Or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system. We're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D-rings for all your accessories again. Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFlow technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell 
as your highest performance rain gear, wear the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event soft shell jackets and vests, all of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. This is the season for hunting and fishing opportunities in the state of North Dakota. If you hunt big game here, remember to do your part in protecting the herd. And that means knowing and following the regulations regarding chronic wasting disease here in the state of North Dakota, specifically the carcass disposal requirements. Any game carcass waste that is transported outside the hunting unit where the animal is harvested must be disposed of via a landfill or waste management provider. If you're hunting big game in North Dakota, it is your personal responsibility to educate yourself on these regulations and this information. Luckily for you, it's very simple. Just head down to the description of this podcast and click on the link that is gf.nd.gov cwd. That's where you're going to get the information on the regulations and all information regarding chronic wasting disease in the state of North Dakota. I want to to kind of dive into that a little bit, you know, the importance of, you know, the cadence and just, um, you know, figuring out what they want that day, right? Um, You know, for you, what does your progression really look like? What's the spectrum of things that you try, you know, say right away? And then just sort of the the behaviors you're looking for to decide if you want to increase, you know, lure size or you want to, you know, you know, it's all the name of the game is efficiency, right? Catching fish, get back down there when they want to bite. But like, Talk to me about your progression of, you know, figuring out the status of the bite and just kind of maybe some storytelling, you know, to kind of, you know, paint that picture of what that looks like for you. Well, you know, a lot of times these fish seem to be relating to the bottom. I very seldom find perch suspended in the water column. I'll find white bass. You know, you see some big marks come shooting through 10 feet off the bottom. A lot of times they're white bass, but uh, usually the perch are near the bottom. With that being said, uh, especially like on the main lake and East Bay and East Devils Lake, where sometimes you get some little, little bit better water visibility, uh, you know, don't be afraid to fish, you know, two, three, four feet up off the bottom where those fish can see it from a lot further away. And um, if you do get one to show up three, four feet off the bottom, it's going to usually eat. But, um, you know, you don't always have to be glued to the bottom, at least to try to pull fish in. And, um, you know, but a lot of times we are near the bottom. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll lift it up high and I'll just get pretty hard and I'll just try to pull fish in. And, and you know, every day can be a little different. I mean, sometimes those fish don't want it moving. Where Sometimes I've seen it over and over where on a really tough bite, one of the best things is just a plain hook and a small, tiny minnow and a split shot six inches off the bottom and just let it sit. You know, uh, when you move and the fish 
it's almost like they flare. They don't, you know, they don't come in if you move it. Then it's a dead stick deal. But uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll jig, you know, and try to get their attention. And then once they come in, though, my hops, my quivers become a lot tighter and a lot more subdued. And I'm holding it, hopping it, holding it, hold some more, shake it, lift, hold it. But it, there's a lot more. Uh, it's almost like you're combining a dead stick approach with your jig, if that makes any sense. You know, it's a lot more of a, of a finesse, touchy bite. I always tell people, you know, when I was guiding, you know, people come from Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, and they did a lot of bluegill fishing, you know, just picture a really tough, big nine-inch bluegill on a heavily pressured lake. And the things you have to do to catch that fish do the same things when you're fishing for these perch over this deep water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's almost like a PSA to just be ready to do battle with these fish on Devil's Lake. And we probably don't have to talk a whole lot about what a great bite is like because when it happens, you'll just you'll you'll know or you know that you could figure that part out. Like if they're just hitting yep. anything, we don't really need to even have that conversation. It's like so much more educational, you know, just preparing to do battle uh, with some of these fish and when you do it right, the reward is so great. Um, one thing that you mentioned there that I do want to talk about, and maybe this, maybe this is more towards walleyes or, or, you know, whatever you find interesting about it, but I want to talk about dead sticking. You mentioned the dead stick approach, like, like, how do you like to utilize dead sticks on devil's lake? Are you spreading your lines out, uh, you know, to search for fish? Um, or do you don't, you know, bring a dead stick out only when you've already found some fish, but you're trying to figure out what they want to eat um, or never, you know, almost never at all. Talk to me a little bit about how you utilize dead sticking. Well, for perch especially, I like to use a dead stick after I found fish. I mean that on devil's lake, maybe some people with different experiences, but what I found over the years is that if I got, if I'm not like right next to the rod where I can immediately set the hook, I just can't, I don't catch them. You know, if I have a rod, a dead stick set up for perch in a perch spot and it's 20 feet away, I have a harder time getting to it. You know, and then a lot of times too, you know, devil's late North Dakota, you know, we don't put the wind and the cold on the brochures. I mean, sometimes it's pretty brutal where, you know, and so a lot of times I guess what I'm saying is when I'm using a dead stick, it's the hole right next to me. I'm jigging in one hole and three feet away. I've got a dead stick where I can just reach over and grab it immediately. And, um, I like to use dead sticks after I've found fish and, and maybe too to, to uh, maybe stress something that I think can be kind of important is that if you have a good flow of fish, when you've got fish coming through you pretty steady, just roll up your sleeves and work them over. I mean, you're going to, what I find so often on devils, like especially in the deep water, and I don't know, I think it's something to do with the sunlight, sun angle and the light penetration, but you'll just have an hour where you're marking fish, but it's just a, it's just a, 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 a fight to get one to bite and then you, you finally get one then you get another one you know and then okay now i've been sitting here for an hour i've marked 20 fish and i've caught two of them and you're just pulling your hair out trying to catch these fish and more often than not i think overall most days you're going to end up with more fish if you just stay with it just stay with it so then the next hour as long as you still have a flow of fish as long as there's fish still rolling underneath you the next hour okay you catch three then all of a sudden you have a 15-minute window where you wrap off seven in a row, and they, they, just, they just turn on and they bite. Now all of a sudden you've got, you know, uh, what, 12 fish in your bucket, and then you have another hour where you catch two, you know, and then 
half hour where golly you're thinking about moving then all of a sudden they start rolling through again and you catch three more but you might get one or two flurries a day where you know you catch more than five in a row well that adds up you know and so if you have a flow of fish wait out those windows and i don't know if it's just a deal where it's it's kind of dark at times down there and or maybe they're just well fed and then they burn off some of that you know their metabolism i don't know but you'll get these little windows where they open up and there's wind stretches where you're pulling your hair out but as long as you're marking fish see if you can try to figure out what they'll eat you know and sometimes it's a tungsten jig sometimes it's the plain hook in the middle you know sometimes you catch a few on both you know and then maybe it's a deal where okay i'm not marking them for 10 50 minutes i'm gonna put a little rattle spoon down see if i can pull some in you catch one on that and then you drop down the tongues and you catch two more. And then all of a sudden you get a window where you wrap off four in a row on the spoon again. And, you know, and, but just kind of, you know, roll up your sleeves and, and stay with it. And uh, that usually uh, outproduces everything. You know, if you get, if you get frustrated and you start moving around, you start all of a sudden you move off of the fish and you're not marking fish anymore. You know, yeah, you might find that one hole where there's five feet of them stacked and they're eating but more often than not you just have to have that mentality you're just gonna sit there and grind away on them and getting more specific on presentations i think everybody likes to hear this part of the conversation um even if we talk about it every time but you know for you your arsenal now i know you're an open-minded guy you're willing to try anything if somebody else has some success or whatever it is um but that being said like do you feel like you have a, a pretty solid arsenal narrowed down to, you know, maybe a horizontal bait, um, something with rattles, something without uh, spoons, you know, the tungsten jigs, different sizes? Like, 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 what is kind of the spectrum of your arsenal that you feel like are your kind of make up your confidence baits? Well, I think a lot of things work, and that's probably the biggest thing to stress is that a lot of things do work, and a lot of it's what you're doing with it and um, and how you're approaching your day and, and uh, you know, and what you're trying to do to trigger those fish to bite. Uh, I'm a big fan of tungsten jigs. Uh, I love the drop XLs with the oversized hook. I feel like that oversized hook is a big advantage with perch fishing. They've got a you know, a bigger mouth compared to, like, say, a bluegill. You can pack more bait on it. You've got a wide gap. Uh, for setting the hook in that deeper water. And so just a, a tungsten drop XL is a is a big one. I mean, that's that's one that I always have ready to drop down and either, you know, maybe sliding a minnow head on it or uh, some spikes or maybe a couple of crushed wax worms. That is a go-to. Uh, the dropper spoons, you know, your traditional Haley spoon, the old Castmaster with the dropper is kind of a classic. Uh, Clam's got a speed spoon that's really good. It's just a small spoon with a chain dropper. That's another one that's deadly. Then your small, your smallest size rattle spoons. I, I, if I'm using a perch eye, I really like to use a, a treble hook on, on a on a unless it's a really aggressive bite. But um, you know, a small rattle spoon with a, a perch eye or a minnow head, or even gobbed up some wax worms or spikes on it, that can be deadly. Uh, it's kind of a local favorite, but uh, and then they're popular on Madison Chain in Wisconsin. But uh, the dropper rigs, the hanger rigs, where you've got a long pencil weight or welding rod, and then you've got a dropper below it that's about six inches, and that just drops down like a dart. It gets up and down really fast. Gives it put a small tungsten jig, horizontal jig on the bottom of it, 
and it kind of causes the jig to swing side to side more when you when you bounce that uh, pencil weight. But um, that is really popular up here in deeper water, especially. Uh, but I would say that's kind of my go-to, you know, dropper spoons, small, tiniest size rattle spoons, and then the tungsten with the oversized hooks. You know, anything else that you're partial to as far as maybe line selection or your, you know, rod and reel combos? Like, you know, do you have just, you still kind of maintain that that tried and true setup that's kind of universal, does everything? Or do you get a little more specific with things, um, you know, as far as that goes? Maybe it has something to do with fin- a finesse bite, downsizing line or something like that, or, you know, just anything gear related that you find to be, uh, you know, interesting or something that helps you be successful on tougher days? Yeah, I think one thing that's really, really important on Devil's Lake uh, for perch a lot of times we are in deeper water. If you're out in the main lake, you're probably going to be in at least 27 feet of water. Uh, East Devil's Lake, you might be in 32 feet of water. Or, or, I'm sorry, East Devil's Lake, you might be over 40 feet of water. East Bay, you might be over 30 feet of water. Minnewaukan Flats, you know, you might be in some flooded brush or timber in 12 feet of water, but you also might be in 20 feet of water. But, you know, braided line, I think, is a big advantage with this really small tackle and, um, deeper water you know i find that you can tie direct to the braid you know even that clear water in that deep water uh i find that sometimes if you put a fluorocarbon leader on it'll actually take some of the sensitivity out of your presentation but uh you know like a six pound frost braid in that deeper water is a is a big deal i mean i know a lot of people that try to use light line two pound three pound four pound model and when you get in that deep of water, there's just so much stretch. The fish has to push so far with that jig in its mouth before you get any type of bite detection. And you have to set the hook and the line stretches. I mean, you just, it, it's really tough using that light model in that deep of water. And so if you come out to Devil's Lake, you know, use a sensitive rod. Uh, uh, graphite works great for certain bites. I, I'm a big fan of a sanded glass rod, like our, our uh, dead meat rods. I mean, that's what we made them for was perch fishing on Devil's Lake. It's just got a really soft tip where you can watch that bite. Uh, in some cases, people use a spring bobber as well, especially with the with the horizontal tungsten jigs. But um, definitely a uh, sensitive rod. Uh, you want the backbone, but you need a soft, sensitive tip, whether it's glass or graphite. And then you need, you know, that, that six pound, four pound braid is a big deal on Devil's Lake. You know, you talked about something interesting to you, you know, like last year at later ice, you, you found some, some perch on shallow structure, um, you know, early ice, you know, shallow shoreline structure is kind of the deal. Cause it's the first thing you can get to, right. I mean, it's the, you know, as far as walking out anywhere or, you know, as far as the best ice is going to be shoreline stuff, um, Talk to me a little bit about finding spots like that. In your mind, when you're looking at shallow perch, um, are they are they acting more like a walleye? Is it spot on the spot type of stuff, um, or do they still have that perch, you know, roaming up and down the shoreline kind of mentality like they do when they're out deeper? Talk to me a little bit about how you envision yourself sort of seeking those shallow perch out early ice. Well, the, the shallow fish seem to be roaming a lot, too. And, and shallow, you know, it seems like there's two kinds of spots, you know, either timber and flooded brush or sand. And, you know, sand, like sand flats uh, with some timber or flooded brush, uh, those really seem to be the kind of shallow spots that I, I 
see perch in the most. But honestly, that can be so hit and miss that uh, a lot of times when I get on shallow perch, I, I find them by accident, to be honest with you. I'm walleye fishing, and all of a sudden we start catching a bunch of perch. I remember uh, it was quite a few years ago now we were filming an episode with some of the guys from Woodland Resort, and uh, we were out in one of the snow bears filming, and uh, we went to a spot, a spot that I had been fishing, and uh, we figured we were going to go out and film a walleye episode. I've been, you know, I was catching some really nice, like say two to five pound walleyes on the spot. We get out there, and uh, I think we might have caught one walleye, and we end up catching like I don't know twenty to thirty perch that were just monsters. You know, we didn't see that coming. A walleye episode turned into a perch episode. So sometimes you have to be kind of an opportunist that way, and so a lot of times. Like a lot of the really good shallow perch spots that I get on, I'm wall. I'm looking for walleyes and oh, I find found perch. Well, that's great, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, I, I tell you what, at early ice, so one thing to look for are what we call bulls. There, um, could you imagine the old basin of Devil's Lake when the water was low? Well, when the water was low, there's little potholes and ponds and sloughs around Devil's Lake, and then the water came up and kind of overtook those. Uh, wetlands and those, uh, you know, little ponds, and they're separated from the main basin. And so uh, those are some of my favorite spots to check right away at early ice. I I wanted to cover all these topics with you, just getting fired up about ice season, talking about, or, you know, anticipating what is to come, hopefully on Devil's Lake. Of course, you know, a lot of speculation on the bites, right? Because nobody's fishing as of as of today or as of this conversation. So this could all change, you know, in a month and all the cool things that are happening out there. But I just I just like the conversation, getting excited. Devil's Lake's fishing really well right now. The perch population is as good as it's ever been um, going into this ice season. You know, I love the gear recommendations and the presentation talks and the cadence and just all that educational stuff. Um you know, that's really what I wanted to cover with you, man. Anything else on your mind that you want to talk about or maybe something you just want to promote or we can wrap this up however you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, a little bit deeper perspective. I don't know if it's the best it's ever been. I mean, I hear stories from like the eighties, you know, where people were, you know, drilling holes and sitting in one spot all day out by the towers and they had black Dacron line wrapped around a stick and, you know, catching two pound perch. You know, I don't know how much of it's embellished or not, but you know, I don't know if it's the best it's ever been because Devil's Lakes had some tremendous, you know, a tremendous history of, of big perch and perch fishing. But I would tell you that the trend that we're in right now, you know, if last year's any indication and just the fish we caught incidentally this summer, you know, it's definitely back. I mean, it's uh, it's good, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and that's the thing to stress is that, boy, I mean, my best days on Devil's Lake, I would put those against any lake anywhere in the country you know my tough days are just as bad as it the worst places you know but you know the the, the opportunities there you know the potential is there and uh, it's definitely trending in the right direction man i love it man um and uh, for any you know for for any content head over to youtube jason mitchell outdoors uh youtube channel social medias um all that stuff for all the great tips and all the great content there um definitely want to throw that out there as always and if nothing else, man, we can let you go. Of course, we're going to have you on sometime in the near future to talk about what you got going on once this uh, fishing season really kicks off. But um, I appreciate your time on this one. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>